0: Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young, a podcast where we will hear stories from nurses just like you that will validate, educate, and inspire you. I'm your host, Beth Quoss. Today we have Emily Mazarak. She worked as a PICU nurse in a busy Level 1 trauma center. She decided to take her talents on the road and became a traveling PICU nurse. She found that bullying was real in some of the units she worked in, and it added to her story of burnout. After realizing that she had many of the signs of burnout, she decided to start her Fill Your Cup project in order to prevent others from getting to that point. We'll hear her story and how she overcame burnout. Please welcome Emily Mazarak to the show. Hi, Emily. Thanks for being on the show. Welcome to Don't Eat Your Young. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited that you're here and I'm so excited for you to share your story. You have a great story. Um, and I, I know you're doing a lot now with um, what has happened to you in the past. So let's talk about your nursing journey.
1: Sure. So I'm actually a second degree student. My background is in social work and public health. So it all really fits nicely together. And I went into one of those crazy four semester programs and ended up with my BSN. Um, I knew that I always had my heart set on pediatrics, but unfortunately couldn't find a job. So I ended up taking an adult job. Then my suspicions were confirmed. I was meant for pediatrics and I ended up in a pediatric ICU. It was a huge level one trauma facility and ICU was never on my forefront. It was something that I really just fell into, but I really fell in love with my coworkers and the community that we had in our unit, which was awesome. I learned a ton and really started to have some of those great critical thinking skills that everybody talks about, you know, as a nurse of 10 plus years. And we decided to take it on my road, my fiance and I decided to try travel nursing. So we kind of roamed around the country for about a year um, and I worked as a PICU nurse. And towards the end of my um, of that year traveling, I realized that something wasn't quite right, and I just figured that maybe it was because I was traveling. What I realized is I really enjoy having a community. I enjoy having um, a little bit of a steady state in my life, and I just figured that you know all these feelings and the anxiety that I was having before shift was probably just related to that. So I started interviewing for permanent positions and I was in the middle of interviewing for a permanent PQ position when I kind of came face to face with my own burnout and how burnout I had been probably for the last three to four months. And it was all because of the nurse manager. The nurse manager had been talking about burnout symptoms that she was seeing in her own staff and ways that they were preventing them. And sure enough, I think I had maybe five of the eight symptoms that she had listed off. So it was not sleeping well, not enjoying the things that I usually would enjoy doing, um, social isolating and not hanging out with friends and family who I was now living so close with. And I left that interview completely panicked. I had for so long identified myself as a PICU nurse that I didn't know anything else, right? I was this PICU nurse. I showed up. I dealt with these crises on a daily basis. And I left that interview knowing that I would not be able to take this job. If I took this PICU job, my career as a nurse would probably be over in the next couple of
0: years. So do you think it had to do with um, the high-intensity ICU setting, pediatrics? Do you think or do you think... It was just the way it was going, that it was going to happen no matter what.
1: I think that it probably would have happened no matter where I was. I was not taking care of myself. I was kind of at the back burner, and all of the things that I enjoyed doing, like going out and hiking and seeing the outdoors, and um, not picking up a ton of overtime. I think that's what really did me in. Was I picked up a lot of overtime because I felt like I owed it to my coworkers, or you know, I needed to be that nurse that kind of swooped in to help save the unit during crazy times? So I was picking up a lot of overtime. I was working night shifts, so I wasn't seeing my friends and family as much. And that obviously impacts your sleep schedule as well. And I think all of those small things just added up. And unfortunately, I didn't catch them soon enough. And um, instead of maybe catching them while the anxiety was starting to build, or while maybe I was having some of those signs and symptoms, uh, denial is a really strong thing. And I think I was able to push down those worries and concerns for so long. But I'm thankful that I realized it kind of year five and not year 15 when I'd become a burnt out nurse. And um, kind of my attitude would affect the new nurse generation coming in.
0: Had you heard about burnout before? Was this new news to you when you were talking with that manager?
1: I think everybody is familiar, or at least in my realm, everybody's kind of familiar with burnout. And it's kind of that thing that everybody talks about, but nobody like really talks about it, right? So, you know, a manager might throw out a pizza party, or, you know, you might joke that you have to do a little bit of mindfulness and yoga. But I think we never actually follow through and do those things that we're supposed to do. And then we get ourselves into these situations. And all of a sudden, it's kind of too little too late, right? Um, And I think, Had we started maybe talking about that in nursing school or during new graduate um, residency programs, I feel like that's really the time to start talking with people so they can build their practice and be a little bit more mindful until they're in a little bit over their heads.
0: Did you remember having any discussions about burnout uh, when you were in nursing school?
1: No, we actually did not touch on it, and I feel like that would have been the perfect opportunity. Right, we're already in this high-pressure situation. We're on um, a condensed timeline compared to maybe a more traditional program, and um, you know, we were with a group of high achievers. So I think that stress that we put on ourselves, where you're just so worried about the end result, that it's so easy to put yourself kind of on the back burner and forget to take care of some of those basic needs that you need as a human before you can actually show up as a great nursing student or as a like a great nurse.
0: I completely agree with you. And I can't imagine that burnout isn't becoming more prevalent in the days of COVID and the stress Mm -hmm. that everyone is under. And it's just, it's a whole new dimension added to what was already a stressful profession.
1: And I think we're so good at covering it up and trying to be stoic, right? I think the circles that I ran into, right, you didn't want to be that one nurse that couldn't hack it or that one nurse that got labeled as the ICU burnout statistic. And I think until we fix that stigma and until we really start having those conversations and telling people it's okay to work through it and, you know, if you need to leave the ICU for a period of time or even, you know, a med surge floor, wherever you're doing, There's lots of opportunities to be a quote unquote real nurse and you don't need to prove yourself by picking up tons of overtime and, um, you know, not having your lunch break, things like that. I think that's that that will only change once we have those conversations.
0: Absolutely. And we're all pushed to pick up more hours and help more. And I Mm -hmm. think you're you're spot on when you say you don't want to be that one nurse because we all we've all been there and we've all felt the guilt and shame of not no, I can't stay and work extra today. No, I can't come back at 11 tonight and work. And Mm -hmm. no, I can't come and work tomorrow. And we do need to let ourselves have that. Mm -hmm, For sure. If it's not possible. It's another way that we, like you said, self-isolate and we don't spend time with friends and family. And for those that need to do those things it's very hard then to we do we feel like we put work as our first priority
1: Mm -hmm. and I think all of us as nurses right we have such big hearts and this is our intention this is why we joined this profession right we love working with people uh and kind of at the bottom of it, we're all people pleasers, right? We want to make sure that everybody gets what they need. We want to make sure all of the meds are delivered on time. We want to make sure that everybody has a great experience. And while that's great at the end of the day, unfortunately, that always puts us at the very end of our um, to-do list.
0: Any nurse that has worked has gone a shift without going to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Yet, I bet you every patient they took care of was fed and bathed and gone to the bathroom and we've all gotten to the end of our shift and said, I don't think I went to the bathroom today. Yeah, you're right. We do put everyone else first.
1: And it's almost this weird badge of honor that right, like I worked through my entire 12 hour shift, and I didn't have to take a pee break. I didn't have to take a single (laughs) break for lunch. Like, I am this great stoic nurse that, you know, did everything first, and I might have to stay for an extra hour to do all of my charting. And I think that's the stigma, or that's kind of the idea that we need to start breaking like you need to get a lunch break. Like if you want to show up as a great nurse, you need to take 20 minutes just to kind of decompress because that's when mistakes are made, right? When you're trying to rush on and get everything done or if you're, you know, worrying about 10 things and um, that's definitely how things slip through the cracks.
0: I know that someone be- could become very wealthy if they decided how nurses could hydrate themselves st- and still be able to go to the bathroom at the same time. Because yep. I, when I read about these wellness things, you know, drink half of your body in water today in ounces. And I'm like, well, I can't. I'm in the OR and I can't leave to go to the bathroom so that therefore I live dehydrated every day.
1: Right. And you can't run to your locker, right? Jaco, you can't have any water at your your desk, right? You've got to like run to the lunchroom or you need to run to your locker or the weird, you know, tray system that they've set up. So it just, we really haven't set nurses up for success.
0: But I think that's, I think with all of us talking, I'm hoping that's going to change. I really do. I hope so too. I think it has to.
1: And I think for, yeah, sustainability, right, you don't want all of the kind of newer nurses coming in um, and being so disenchanted with the profession that, you know, after five, maybe 10 years, they're leaving, right? Not only have they spent a huge amount of time and money and energy trying to get their degree, but then there's going to be huge gaps in the workforce as well. So yeah, definitely being able to figure out how to take care of the newer nurses, but also, you know, supporting the older nurses that uh, might have had this mentality their entire career and, you know, telling them it's okay to have that mindset mindset change.
0: Do you think any part of your burnout had to do with um, the way you were treated within our profession? You know, we talk about nurses eating their young. Did that come into play in any part of your burnout?
1: I think it did. And what surprised me during my last rotation, I had come in with almost um, four years of like high level PICU experience. And I was treated not very well at my last assignment. They didn't look very well on travelers. People weren't as friendly towards travelers and kind of left you on on out on your own to figure it out. And I think that that's so unfortunate where you have this new person coming in and they're excited to be here, right? They're here for 13 weeks and want to make a mark and do the best that they can because either A, they want to extend their contract or B, they might take a permanent position. And I think... That was part of my problem too. I didn't have a good support system at work because everything was so clicky and I was considered the new girl or the new nurse. And um, I know that this one unit had a lot of problems between the travelers and the permanent staff because the travelers came in and took a lot of the overtime that people had been um, using over the last few months to kind of supplement their usual pay. So there was a lot of struggles on a lot of fronts and it wasn't that great community that I had when I was working permanent staff at my first job.
0: That is so real. That does happen. Uh, It's a double-edged sword. I know I've been in those situations where the core staff, they complain that they don't have any help. And then when you get them the help, which could be a locum, then they complain that they don't have the overtime. And so I think we have to be very careful and really understand what our needs are. Mm -hmm. Because if, if we're getting people to help us, that's the perfect opportunity for them to take care of themselves and not have to pick up so much overtime.
1: Right. And, you know, I wasn't expecting to be everybody's best friend, but, you know, it's always nice to like, be able to turn to your nurse and be able to ask them a question without, you know, getting a huge sigh or, you know, getting attitude back. And um, it wasn't even from necessarily the older nurses with a lot of experience. It was from peers kind of in the same boat that I was maybe in that five to 10 year um, range. So I think Nurses eating their young, you don't necessarily have to be a nurse with, you know, 25 or 30 years experience. I think the younger generation can still be in that bullying position, um, even with nurses kind of in their own cohort or similar cohort to them.
0: Nurses eating their young. Young is many people. It's new people. It's experienced people, it's students, it's nurses with a lot of experience just going to a different unit Mm -hmm. or like you becoming a traveler. And I think that too needs, it doesn't help us at all in not supporting each other. You can't learn if you're stressed. right? And so I think to support each other um, and try to look at it from the other perspective is is going to help us move forward.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that.
0: So what are you doing
1: now? So after um, I kind of reassessed my own life, I started to put um, self-development really ahead of professional development. I feel like as nurses, we're so good about going for those certifications or learning or putting things in our toolbox. And I think I turned a lot of that energy towards figuring out who I was and figuring out kind of what aligned with me and what I wanted. And I had this great idea to create this project. It's called the Fill Up Your Cup Project, which I think so many nurses really need to do, right? We're all running on such low energy, especially now with COVID and kind of the unpredictability of where nursing and healthcare is going, that if we don't start taking care of ourselves and really energizing and find out what brings us joy and what brings us um, happiness, that we're all going to be suffering, you know, six months a year from now. So, um, really, this community is just to create conversations around those topics um, for me to offer kind of my story and my experience um, through either tips and tricks that I picked up over the years as a nurse with almost seven years of experience, um, or through a coaching program that I run—a twelve-week coaching program—to really figure out who you are as a nurse and kind of what you want, not only out of your nursing career, but out of your personal life. I had this great nurse mentor who always would say that, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. And, you know, what you do is, yes, you are a nurse, but you are so much more than a nurse. And I think once we kind of remember that, we're able to bring so much more, not only to our personal lives, but also uh, to the patients and the people that we work with consistently
0: um, as well. So how is your coaching structured? Are you just a membership? Do you offer one-on-one coaching? Um, So right now it's just one-on-one
1: coaching uh, and great part about that is that I can really tailor the program to kind of where you're at and what your needs are. And we really take the 12 weeks. um, It's a series of, we do 10 weeks of just one-on-one phone calls, and then there's two action weeks. And there's lots of great um, kind of resources. There's always kind of a weekly theme of something to work on or something to dig a little bit deeper on as well. And then um, I'm also putting together kind of a four-week self-paced course uh, for those that might not be quite ready for um, the time commitment of one-on-one mentorship. And that will be launching um, later at the end of um,
0: 2020. How do you find your clients?
1: um the majority of my work is done over on instagram so um slowly but surely I'm kind of talking with people and like I said sharing my story and meeting people like you so I can actually get my story out to more people so um, the majority of my conversations kind of start on instagram or social media um, I do have a website out there it's kind of in its baby phases so um, a lot of those conversations do happen through you know direct messages or um, people will have heard me on podcasts like this and kind of reach out just to kind of discuss what their situation is and maybe to get a little bit of advice or a little bit of guidance maybe before joining a formal kind of coaching program.
0: Speaking of advice, what what do you want nurses to hear? What do you want them to know? Every one of them, not just new nurses, but all nurses and how can we take care of ourselves better?
1: I think first the one thing I love to tell people is that no is a complete sentence and I think you can use it in so many facets of your right of your life.
0: That is perfect. I love that.
1: <laughs> and so I feel like as nurses, we struggle with boundaries, right? Going back to that people pleasing and wanting to kind of be everything for everyone at every single moment. And that's not sustainable. And I think it's just, it's short and it's sweet and you don't need to kind of elaborate. Your manager asks if you can pick up overtime. No, I'm sorry, I can't. And if they keep pushing you, you can just just keep saying no and you know, eventually they'll kind of get the message. And I think once you create that boundary and then you have to stick to the boundary, right? Don't say no and then like, well, I'll think about it and then, well, maybe if we do it this way. So, like no is no and it that's perfectly okay. If they have a problem with it, that's on them and kind of stuff that they're dealing with. That's that's not on you. And I think just as like new nurses or like we were talking about before being a floater or a traveler, just knowing who your resources are on the unit, right? Who are the nurses that really enjoy teaching new graduates or enjoy kind of working with other nurses? Who is the expert maybe on seizures or who is the expert on how you have to do addressing change? And if you know who those go-to people are, you can really save yourself the time and energy of, you know, digging through policies or second guessing yourself or trying to track down the right person. So kind of knowing who those go-to people are has definitely helped me in my career. And it's advice that I always give, um, students and new nurses that I work with on the floor.
0: That is, uh, that's great advice. And I was just going to say too, young nurses, if you can pick that out and seek those people out, and if you're new trying to establish a relationship with the experienced people going up and saying, I hear that you are very knowledgeable in this, they're probably going to be more likely to help you. They'll feel a little better about themselves too, being recognized for what they know so, I think that is a great idea. And it's probably even good advice for managers. Mm-hmm. Pick your nurses that are really good at this and that and push people their way. Yeah. If you really are good at something, and I'm sure you had a lot of students and young nurses come to you because you had such great PICU experience.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think the term that I've heard a lot is kind of the super user, right? So, you have a new program rollout and they're the super user, they know how to work the defibrillator, right? And I think. Um, right. It's really like a sense of pride, I think for the nurse as well. Like you're the go-to person for accessing lines or it's kind of a, a badge of honor. I think nurses wear, and I think that they appreciate that, um, new nurses, whether they be experienced and new to a unit or just new graduates in general, that you're actually asking the questions and taking the time to build your skills in your practice, as opposed to maybe winging it and trying to see if maybe it worked out um, or, you know, if maybe you got lucky the one time. So I think that they appreciate um, appreciate that as
0: well. I want people to be able to ask questions so that they don't have to try to wing it. Like you say, we should all feel comfortable enough to talk to people. Mm -hmm. So... I think that's great advice. So do you work? Are you doing any nursing now?
1: So right now, I just relocated up to Maine. So I have been teaching clinical, virtual clinical pediatrics. And that has definitely been quite an experience. I've always loved, like I said, teaching people on the unit. And um, this term, the university I'm working for, we switched everything to online. So I have a new respect for all the teachers out there that have had to put together all these online lectures and online case studies. Great to, um, And so, yeah, it's been an eye-opening experience, but I've always enjoyed teaching. So this is just kind of another notch on the, on the tool belt and, you know, another story for, guess what
0: I did in 2020, I guess. I hear you there. I am teaching as well uh, via Zoom. And for somebody that is not good at technology, it adds an extra, especially when all of your students know technology right. <laughs> and I come on and I'm asking them how to do things. So I'm learning from them as much as they're learning from me.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of nice that, you know, the students have a little bit more, um, almost like an edge, right? On their professors in some sense too, right? I think it's that whole give and take and, you know, trying to get through a situation together and, you know, just figuring it out, figuring it out on the fly.
0: And I need their help. Right. <laughs> What else would you like to share today?
1: I think that if you're interested in just taking the first step, I think that that's the scariest. Um, I think... Being able to find yourself a mentor, whether it be at work, or I know that nurse mentors are kind of starting to pop up um, through on social media or in these nursing communities, being able to get yourself a resource and a coach where you can just bounce things off of. I feel like so many of us would love to go to friends and family, but sometimes it's hard to explain stories and experiences to somebody that doesn't have a medical background. And for as much or as hard as they try, right, they're not going to get it 100%. So I think if you find somebody in the field, it doesn't necessarily have to be your specific field of nursing. But I think within nursing, we all have enough commonality that we're able to relate and maybe give advice. And I feel like nurses also are great at networking. Um, And if you you don't know the answer, I feel like you would be able to find the person that would um, best suit your needs or kind of what you needed in the moment.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. I think we should all have a mentor that we can talk to. And sometimes it's not always someone that you work with. Sometimes you don't want to talk to them. You want to talk to an impartial person that isn't part of your unit or the clicks within your floor or however that is. Right. I think that's important.
1: Yeah, just a little bit of a different perspective of, you know, maybe you haven't seen things or maybe you're, you just need to kind of pivot a little bit. And I think somebody from an outside perspective can definitely help you. Um, kind of explore your own kind of seeing or how you're seeing that situation and maybe, um, you know, talking you down off the ledge if, you know, maybe things aren't quite as bad as they seem, but again, you just need that outside perspective to just kind of bounce your bad day off of.
0: Absolutely. Where can people find you? Uh, So like
1: I mentioned before, I'm mainly over on Instagram. So I am emily.mazurak, M-A-Z-U-R-A-K. And um, I'm starting up on my website. So it's www.fillupyourcupproject.com.
0: I can't wait to watch this grow. I think what you're doing is so important and I'm excited to have people come to you and hopefully prevent burnout instead of come after they've already hit the hit the bottom. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Prevention is definitely key. That's my love of public health is bringing it all back to prevention too. So
0: that's also a great message. Well, thank you, Emily. I can't wait to watch you grow. And I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: I want to thank Emily for being on the show today. Some takeaways from Emily are that no is a complete sentence. Don't continue to overextend yourself and don't be afraid to say no. Find go-to people that you can ask questions of and help you when you need it. And lastly, find someone to talk to if you are having a bad day. Sometimes you just need to get an outside perspective. Check out Emily's Fill Your Cup project on Instagram. Links will be in the show notes. And I want to thank you for your gift of time today. I am humbled by the people that are reaching out to say that they got something out of this podcast. If you are interested in becoming a member, you can find out more information at DonateYourYoung.com. You can also find my email on DonateYourYoung.com if you have a story to share, and you can always find me on Facebook at Don't Eat your Young. Thanks for your time. Now, you
1: have made your- might not know how, but you will find the key.